Please turn to Psalm 3. We've been looking at Psalm 3 um, in instalments, first of all, verses 1 and 2. The week after that, verses 3 and 4. And today, this evening, we're looking at 5 and 6. And because we're doing it in bits and pieces, it gives us an opportunity to forget what we've already looked at. And that's why I keep doing a recap, not just for you, but for me, actually. We're looking tonight at peace in the midst of the storm. Peace in the midst of the storm, Psalm 3, verses 5 and 6. And by way of recap, King David of Israel fled from his son Absalom, who had stolen the hearts of the people. We see that in, in, in just above, we see that at the top of the psalm there. It's the psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. So there's no guesswork there. That's, that's the fact. He's, that's when he fled from his son Absalom. Absalom stole the hearts of the people and he also stole or he tried to steal his father's throne. When David fled, he was thought to have been forsaken by God. And so we see in verse 2, David said, Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. However, as was seen last week, the reality was very different in that the Lord was a shield for David. The Lord was his glory and the lifter up of his head. So much so that the Lord restored his kingdom to him and his throne and the dignity of being the king of Israel. This evening we read in verses 5 and 6 I laid me down and slept, I awaked for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. In verse 5, let's not forget what was going on. King David had fled, not just from his kingdom, but he fled for his life. If ever there was a time to be on his guard and to be ready for battle, it was then. Even so, with the Lord as David's shield, he lay himself down and slept, according to verse 5. Perhaps under the shelter of a tree, or maybe in a cave, and most certainly not in his palace in Jerusalem. However, even though David slept on the desert floor somewhere or other, and not in his king-sized bed, he slept under the shadow of the Almighty, who was his refuge, his fortress, his God, in whom he was clearly trusting. As such, David was able to lay himself down and sleep, despite everything that was going on. Let's try and put ourselves a little bit in his situation, fleeing from his kingdom, fleeing for his life, and still he, was, he lay himself down and slept. Surely that is a picture of peace, perfect peace. In Psalm 23, David wrote about the Lord making him to lie down in green pastures and leading him beside the still waters. But don't imagine that you would have to literally be in green pastures 
or beside still waters to experience the peace that is depicted by David in Psalm 23. You can be in a high-rise flat in a busy city or living in a mud hut in the jungle or in some slum area. You can be in a war zone with bullets whistling above your head. You can be about to have your head removed by the enemies of Christ. I say that, I, I, it's etched in my mind. Uh, I've mentioned it before, you'll know that it's etched in my mind. When ISIS was doing its worst in the Middle East, and um, there were some, I think they were Coptic Christians lined up on the seashore, praying they were about to be beheaded by those Muslim terrorists. And I often wonder what they were praying about at that time. I don't think they were praying that God would remove them from what was a certain execution there, although God could have done, of course. I just, I, I would guess that they were just praying for his presence and that peace that can only be experienced by those who are in Christ the Prince of Peace. You could even be sitting in a dentist chair or in an operating theatre and still experience that perfect peace. I know of someone who was at peace and that person was reciting Psalm 23 as he lay on a hospital trolley, actually having a heart attack at the time. David's terrible situation where he was nevertheless able to lie himself down and sleep despite being on the run reminds me of one of my old children's talks which is about an art competition where the artists had to paint a picture of peace. Sure enough some excellent landscapes, green pastures, quiet waters and so on were produced. What one might expect uh, in a picture of peace beautiful landscapes and such like. However, the winner painted a picture entitled Peace in the Midst of the Storm. At first glance, the painting looked anything but peaceful. Black clouds and lightning covered the sky. Waves crashed down a jagged rocky hillside with raging waters below. How could that possibly be be described as peaceful? Barely noticeable, just beneath the, 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 the water's falls and just above the river of water, there was a bird in her nest with her chicks tucked underneath the edge of a rock. In the midst of that storm, the bird had found an ideal sanctuary for her and her chicks away from predators. In Psalm 3 verse 5, Whether or not David was literally lying down in green pastures is not the point. We don't need to know. The point is that the Lord was his shield, his refuge and his peace in the midst of that terrible storm that he was in. Just look at what David said about the Lord in yet another psalm, Psalm 18 and verse 2, if you'd like to turn to that. Psalm 18 and verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress 
and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. The night before the Lord Jesus Christ sacrificially laid down his life, he said to his disciples, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Those encouraging words were spoken by the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, to his disciples, so that they would be at peace with his peace. Whatever anguish, whatever afflictions, whatever persecutions lie ahead. And we see back in our Psalm 3 here, in verse 5 again, David, who is fleeing for his life, away from his kingdom, and he says, I laid me down and slept. When you go to sleep, although you know that you could die in your sleep, I, I, I don't know if you, it's not a, a very nice thought, is it? But you appreciate that you could die. You, you're not you're not necessarily going to wake up in the morning, are you? You probably think about that more and more as you get older. But yet we tend to take it for granted that we will wake up the next day, probably when that horrible alarm rings and we have to get up for work or for school or for whatever. However, David had every reason not to take it for granted that he would wake up from his sleep. For example, his enemies could have easily sprung an attack on him and killed him, even while he was asleep. Therefore, when David said, I awaked, for the Lord sustained me, he meant every word of that. And he, I'm sure he would have appreciated the very fact that he lived to see a new day. I awaked for the Lord sustained me. The Lord kept me. The Lord upheld me through the night. The Lord protected me. The Lord was my shield even when I slept. Protecting me from my, from my enemies. And so when David said, I awaked for the Lord sustained me, that was a tremendous statement of his faith in God. I say that because he was saying that despite everything that was happening with the life-threatening dangers that he faced, the Lord nevertheless granted him another new day to serve him, to glorify him, instead of quite simply letting him die while he was in his sleep. That doesn't mean to say that David's chief desire was to wake up to a new day in the wilderness or anywhere else in that that world, in the world for that matter. Clearly he praised God for sustaining him and he woke up to see a new day, but I don't imagine that was the be all and end all for David, to see another new day. If you're a Christian, everything is if it's the God, if it's the Lord's will. If not, then so be it. It doesn't actually matter, does it? We don't. We're not living for this world as Christians. We're here in this world. We're not of this world. As long as we are in this world, we thank God for each new day. Why? 
so that we can get on with whatever we've been doing, go to work or to school or whatever, a new day to do to glorify God. If that were not the case, then the Lord may as well um, take us up to be with him as soon as he saves us. But he leaves us in this world to serve him, to glorify him, to worship him. Just turn over the pages to another one of David's Psalms and you'll see what I mean. Psalm 17. The last verse of that psalm, uh, this is a verse that really struck me years ago. Psalm 17, verse 15, David says, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Would you imagine David was talking about there? David who said, I awaked for the Lord sustained me. And yet in Psalm 17, he says, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. What awakening can that be but an awakening from the sleep of death? He was talking about seeing Jesus. Awaking with his likeness, the likeness of the God of his salvation. As Spurgeon said, my satisfaction is to come. I do not look for it as yet. I shall sleep a while, but I shall wake at the sound of the trumpet. Wake to everlasting joy, because I arise in thy likeness, O my God and King. That's what David was looking forward to. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. So when David said, I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness, he wasn't talking about waking up after a good night's sleep. He was looking beyond that to when Jesus shall come again at the end of the age and the dead in Christ shall rise and shall be with him forevermore. That's what we look forward to as Christians, isn't it? The sound of the trumpet. Raising, being raised up and being with Jesus forevermore. Also there's Psalm 23 verse 4 where David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Undoubtedly that can be seen as a picture of the Christian pilgrimage. As the sheep closely follow the shepherd, as they walk through the inhospitable valley, which is enclosed by steep grey mountains with boulders running down them and nowhere to hide if wild animals pay them a visit. So too do Christians follow the Lord Jesus Christ, their shepherd, and they trust in him to sustain them and to protect them as they pass through an inhospitable and Christ-hating world. As they sleep at night, 
They trust in their Lord Jesus Christ to be with them and watch over them, sustaining them. And they contend with their besetting sins and they contend with the fiery darts of Satan as they continue on that pilgrimage. But also dying and death are spoken of in Psalm 23 and verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Apparently, the author William H. Ridgway would pick berries with his friends when he was a boy. After filling their baskets, they would wait beside a railroad railroad track. As the sun began to set, a train would come by and that train would run them over. The iron monster with its thundering noise and screaming whistle didn't really run them over, just its shadow did. That's a picture of what it is to die as a Christian. It's nothing more than a shadow. That's all. And because dying, whether in your sleep or in a not-so-nice way, is nothing more than a shadow for those who belong to Jesus, the Apostle Paul was able to say, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Without any shadow of a doubt, for King David and the Apostle Paul, death was nothing more than a shadow, for they had a very real hope of heavenly glory and their hope was built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. In the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, we're told that the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, having created the universe, he upholds or he sustains everything by the word of his power, by the utterance of his omnipotence. Everything is sustained by his command and that includes every one of you. Jesus continually sustains you. Every breath of air that you take into your lungs, every morsel of food that you eat, every new day you can thank Jesus for. You do well to appreciate that you didn't just wake up today because of that pesky alarm or because some some other noise or whatever, but because the Lord sustained you through the night And it pleased him to grant you a new day. That should be an encouragement to all of you Christians to prayerfully seek to do his will and to glorify the Lord as he continues to sustain you and to enable you by his grace to serve him each new day until such time you don't wake up in the morning, until such time you wake up in his presence and with his likeness. Look at verse 6 in Psalm 3. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. This is David, whose trust is in the Lord, his shield, his refuge, the God of his salvation. David, who prays God, And who acknowledged that God sustained him through the night. 
I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people. Brave words proceeded from David's mouth in verse 6. And we have no reason to imagine that he didn't mean every single word of what he said there. With the Lord as his shield surrounding him and with the Lord sustaining him, what reason would he have to fear Absalom his son or all his other enemies, no matter how many of them there were? If his enemies did kill him, that would only serve to usher him into the presence of the God of his salvation. Even as a youth, David was fearless, as can be seen when he killed the giant Goliath. In 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 24, it is written, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, that's Goliath, fled from him and were sore afraid. However, David, who had been sent by his father to the battlefront with some food, for his big brothers who were in the army. He was different. If he was scared, he certainly didn't show it. After declining King Saul's offer of armour, he slew the giant with one well-aimed pebble to the forehead. After saying to the giant, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. defied. Also David said to Goliath, And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Those words say it all, don't they? He had no fear, because he was trusting in the Lord, whose battle it was. There is only one who you really ought to fear. The one you really ought to fear is Almighty God. Fear God who is a consuming fire. Do not fear men who can kill the body but not the soul. Rather fear God who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Don't have a casual and dismissive attitude towards your maker who sustains you each new day and even as you sleep at night. Don't carry on as if he doesn't exist. I think that's what I'm trying to say. You will die and when that happens you will have to give an account to God. You can continue to be as rebellious towards God as you dare. But if you were to die tonight and to die in your sins, and that is a possibility, doesn't matter how old you are, by the way, you will be thrust into the winepress of God's wrath at the final judgment when the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Far better to pray for mercy and plead nothing other than the blood of Jesus. Believing that Jesus has appeased the holy and righteous anger of God towards you at the cross and by the shedding of his own precious blood. As for all of you dear Christians in here who already know God as your loving Heavenly Father, having trusted in his Son as your Saviour from sin, 
and trusting in Jesus for everlasting life. Whether you live or die this tonight, you have everlasting life and you will never perish. Praise God for loving you with an everlasting love. A love that is best seen at the centre cross where Jesus died for you. It is a love that casteth out fear. So much so that you can say, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what can man do unto me. Amen.